This is Formula SAE FastCast, the official podcast of the Formula SAE series. Hey guys, welcome to FastCast, the Formula SAE podcast. I'm Mike Sorg, video and podcast producer with the CDS series. I'm here with you today, and we are talking about the cost program with the formula this and i have on the line with me today rachel rogers who is a lead cost audit judge with us how you doing rachel hi thanks for having me mike and of course we also have kaylee zundel the programs manager with the formula sae program with us to uh to answer any questions that we may have during the show now rachel before we get into the details uh, can you give me a little bit of your background and i understand you have a little bit of experience with the competition as a student as well So I was on Akron's team from 2014 through 2018, and I now work at Goodyear and the NASCAR Tire Factory. I double majored in accounting and supply chain, so I'm not a real engineer, but cost was my event when I was on the team, and now I'm a cost judge. Excellent. So I I understand you got a lot of great information to help the students out uh, for this season so that they can do the best they can in cost, right? Yep, absolutely. So 2020, we do have a couple of updates to the cost event. Um, I'm going through a PowerPoint that's under the cost event and series resources on FSA online. If you'd like to pull that up and follow along a little bit with me. And that that is under the reference documents. So we did add more repeat operations to the process multipliers. So if you want to repeat things more than 10 times, that was the previous limit we had on there. Um, And the brush apply unit cost did change. So if you're copying, pasting anything from last year, I know I did when I did cost report. Just keep an eye out for that. We did reduce the cost from two cents per square centimeter to two hundredths of a cent per square centimeter. So that's $20 per meter squared. Um, Another thing that we have looked at with some of the cost reports that have come through from last year, we kept seeing the same things over and over again. Um, So I'm just going to go over some common mistakes that we've been seeing. Um, Forgetting to add length to a bolt was one of them. So in the cost tables, the calculations for bolts is done by length and diameter. So definitely have both of those measurements handy. Whenever you're putting in the cost for bolts, it's not going to calculate correctly. Your cost is going to be lower, and then you'll get penalized for that. The raw material cost was another thing. So any raw materials need to have at least a millimeter added to the outside dimensions because that's going to get machined away. Um, It's not really possible to machine something less than a millimeter. Um, The only exception to that would be something that shows up to competition with a mill-formed surface, like a tube that's been cut from stock. So definitely make sure to add on that millimeter to all your outer dimensions, and then you can calculate how much that's going to take off for your machining. Um, Our wheel bearings and suspension rod ends, There are different bearings. So wheel bearings are specially formulated for that structural load and suspension rod ends are also different. So they're not necessarily the same thing like wheel bearings and regular bearings. Just keep an eye out for that. We do have special entries for wheel bearings and they are more expensive. So you'll get penalized if you use something that isn't a wheel bearing for that. And weld round tubing. So definitely read the process description on that. Um, welding around tubing is a little bit different than regular welding. So it doesn't require the same tooling. It's a little bit more expensive. So if you put in tooling for welding, when you're doing round tubing, you might just be shooting yourself in the foot. So keep an eye out for that. 
Um, and I would say with reading the process description, that would be a good thing to do for all of the parts. I know it's something that's boring. Um, it's not necessarily something that you want to do, but I think it will really help you out. If you go through the cost tables that we have on FSA online, pull up things that you use all the time, like machining, aluminum, steel, carbon fiber. We do have comments in there for all of those different materials and processes. So take a look at those. Um, that will definitely help you out just to make sure that you're costing the right stuff. Going along with that, the monocoque production volume factor is different. So most of the parts we have in there is 3,000. This is assuming that you can get 3,000 parts out of those molds in a production setting. The monocoque is different. It's 120 because the monocoques are so complicated and they see a lot of loads. We're assuming that you can only get 120 monocoques out of those one molds. So definitely go in and change that if you're a team that's using a monocoque this year. And one of the last things that we've seen was a reaction tool. So when you're fastening something onto a car and you need to have a wrench on the other side. So when you're using one to actually fasten and then one to hold the back of a bolt or nut in place, you'll need to have that reaction tool in there. It's a counterforce to make sure you actually fasten it on the car. So anything where you're using two hands and two tools at the same time, that's going to need a process for fastening it and the reaction tool. So one of the things I wanted to highlight in this presentation was the supporting documentation. So the drawings and any images that you might have from your process are so, so critical to helping us judge your cost report. Um, something to remember is that we're not there with you. We're not in your shop at two, three in the morning when you're making these parts. We are not there during your design process. So the more visibility that you can give us in your cost report, the easier it is for us to judge. And you'll also get higher accuracy points for that. So something that has really helped me when I judge is seeing drawings, seeing images of your parts. Um, even if you have a ruler, let's say it's something really complicated that you don't have a drawing for. Um, if you even have like a measuring tape and rough out measurements, even that helps out a lot. Um, the other thing with drawings I would like to highlight is if you're doing machining drawings, definitely add those on too. Um, that will help out a lot. And you should have machining drawings for all your parts anyway. So an end goal would be if you have machining drawings for all your parts, keep them organized. So you won't have to do work twice. You can just do your machining drawings. If they're well-organized, easy to read, you can just attach those onto your cost report instead of doing separate drawings for your cost report. So definitely help yourself out there. And that will also help with your future teammates. So an SAE, it's a program that's designed with tons of turnover with the university. So the more and better drawings that you have, the more you're going to help yourself out. All right, so attaching drawings onto your cost report, you can attach a CAD drawing or an actual picture of the assembly on the same page. So all of those CAD drawings and actual pictures need to be a PDF or a JPEG to get loaded into the system properly. So PDF, JPEG, and PNG. Um, and those will export when you export a PDF version of your cost report. I do highly recommend exporting that PDF, even though you don't necessarily need to this time around. Um, it's good to have as a reference. 
I know I've taken a copy of cost reports at the interviews. That's something that you could do too if you, that was something that you're working on. So just to keep that in mind. And the file sizes, they shouldn't be too big. So even if it isn't a PDF, even if it is a JPEG, um, they might not upload if the file size is too big. So I would keep it as is, try and put it on. If it doesn't work, then lower that file size and try it again. And all those drawings should be attached to the same page as your part. So if you're costing a front lower control arm, the drawing for that control arm needs to be with the same page where all the costs are. So we can look at the cost and then open up that drawing right away instead of having to go somewhere else to find it. So with raw materials, you'll need to label your material dimensions wherever possible. So one exception to that might be things that are near net shape or if they're 3D printed, if you cast and then machine, um, you don't necessarily need to highlight everything. But the more dimensions that you put in your drawings, the easier it is for us to know that you're costing things the right way. So if you send in a drawing and it only has one or two dimensions on it, we can't necessarily back calculate if you have enough cost in there or if you have too much and you're hurting yourself. So definitely put those in there and then we'll know for sure if you're costing things the right way. Um, if you are using aluminum or steel sheet for anything like that, the sheet thickness should be noted. Whenever you buy those sheets, you should have that information handy anyway. Um, or if you don't, there's definitely someone on your team that should. And the sheet area should be listed as well. So area and thickness will help us back calculate and make sure that you have everything costed the correct way. So with the tubing, you'll need to list the diameter, wall thickness, and length. So one thing that you can do with that that will, should help you out a lot is to include the same drawing from the SCS. So that drawing, um, it requires color coding for wall thickness and diameter. So if you use the same drawing in your cost report, if you're doing a steel tube frame and the SCS, you'll save yourself a lot of work. So going back to welding tubes, welding round tubing, you're going to need the surface prep for that. So anyone, if you've ever tried to weld round tubing without prepping the edges, it's ugly. So definitely think about how you're actually doing stuff in your shop and make sure that you have a process for everything. So just walk through whenever you get the tubing in from your supplier or a sponsor to when it ends up on the car. So that includes cutting it from full length stock, prepping the ends, welding it however you weld it, and painting it. So all those processes will need to be included if we're using the frame as an example. So the OP number is something that we've gotten a couple of questions on. Um, it's purely for organizing purposes. It doesn't necessarily need to be the same from year to year. Um, it doesn't need to be the same as example cost reports on the website, but as long as you're consistent within your report, that's enough for us to know um, how things are organized. So one thing you can do is you can do like 10-1, 10-2, 10-3. Um, you could do 20-1, 20-2, 20-3. As long as it's consistent and we know which parts relate to each other, then that's totally fine. Whatever system works for you. So something where that might come in handy is if you have multiple parts in the same system. So if you have a front lower control arm um, with like a, or if the front control arm assembly, if you have an upper and a lower, 
depending on how you cost it. That might be one thing where you can use like the 10, 1, 21 to um, differentiate your parts. So, or a frame, if you want to do your tubing and your tabs in one sheet, you can do that as well. One other thing I would like to highlight, I'm just going back to the fact that we're not there when you're making your parts is anything you put in that use column is definitely going to help us out a lot. So that helps us walk through um, your process and see that you have everything in there. So if you have four line items for uh, machining and we can't match up your process, then we don't know if you have too many in there. We don't know necessarily if you don't have enough. So if you're costing spacers or something like that on the same page or frame tabs and you have multiple thicknesses then definitely put in there like this is going to a battery tab this is going to control arm tabs things like that so we know that you're costing everything right so and definitely the more information you want to put in there you know it's, it's definitely not going to hurt anything and i think especially if you're new to the cost report system that's something that helps you so if you put those little notes in there even just for yourself um that helps make sure that you have everything in there so i know i did that when i did cost report i would put that in there i wasn't necessarily familiar with a car so i had to put those things in there to be like did i cost everything am i good so i think it helped me out a lot and it might help you too and i know as a judge it helps us keep things straight Oh, the add item request. So if you see anything or if you have anything in your process that isn't in our cost tables, please submit an add item request online. So then we can review it and add those to the cost tables. And what you'll need for that is a receipt or a quote from your supplier showing how much it is so we can cost it appropriately. So if you submit something without that, we're not going to be able to add it to the cost tables at the right cost. And if you have any other general rules questions, um, just ask them through the regular rules form. We'll take a look at them. And there might be a couple of teams with the same questions. So that's like that's how things like this come up, is multiple teams have the same question, and we just want to answer them all at the same time. Just to note, too, the submission of cost report has changed slightly. You no longer need to download it. So when teams are creating their cost report to submit, they will want to start the submission workflow, which is underneath their mm-hmm. managed competitions uh, for turning in their report. Um, and so we just walk through on the slides for the teams that, um, you know, the, the electronic submission as far as uh, the report itself the only thing that has changed there is you still have to submit the request to create the PDF file. However, this year teams no longer have to wait for the PDF to re-upload in the different um, document submission area. Now it's mm-hmm. automatically generated behind the scenes so that our volunteers can get it. And then, um, you know, the student teams will receive an email just saying that the process completed. But we, we show through the rest of the file or the, the PDF, we continue showing the screens just so there's no confusion on the submission of the EBOM because nothing has changed with that process. They still have to export the data, implement it in the template, and still upload it 
with regards to the um, additional submission requirement area where all the other documents are submitted. So those are all the only major changes um, that we made, but we wanted to make sure to incorporate the entire cost process for both EBOM and uh, the, the design report. So this just shows you how to do that. Kayla, you probably explained it better than I could anyway. <laughs> well, I have been working with the DES group on this. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think it'll be good. But the, all the PowerPoint slides are really self-explanatory when it comes to that aspect of it. Right. And definitely if teams have anything in there that they need clarified, definitely put in a rules question and we'll take a look at it. Correct. And if it's if it if it's not even necessarily a rules question as far as the technicality part, but more of just a actual process, um, if there's some confusion with how things are submitted, you can actually just they can just email collegiate competition because it's not really a rules question at that point. It's more of a process that the SAE staff um, that manage that inbox can help. Excellent. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us, uh, Kaylee, Rachel. Thank you so much for going through all this information for us for our students. And of course, everybody, please subscribe to the podcast uh, in your uh, favorite podcast player, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you want it, want to listen to it. And uh, and make sure you're, you got that app downloaded for the formula program. Uh, so Android, iPhone, it's really helpful. And you guys get a lot of uh, a lot of notifications throughout the competition, leading into the competition. So you don't miss a thing. Thank you so much, everybody. And we'll see you guys next time. Stay safe out there. Thanks for listening to Formula SAE FastCats. As always, we want to hear from you, so email us at formulasae at sae.org. The show notes for this episode can be found at www.fsaeonline.com. Stay safe and we'll catch you next episode.